Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 209 on the OneOuter.com podcast. Alex, we are recording this back-to-back, which we always find a little bit weird because uh, there's no small talk originally at the start, but me and Alex both love talking, so we always got something to say. And I just started to tell a story to Alex there, and I said, oh, hold up, we'll press record and we'll keep this as our little intro filler. So I said, yeah, let's just get into this recording. We'll get the questions done and get this show in the can. I'm going to cinema later to see the new Terminator film. And that's where I stopped it for Alex. So I actually went last night to go and see it. So previous years ago on One Outer, if you've listened way back then, you'll know I've always been right into my cinema and my movies and stuff. So I bought an unlimited pass for the local cinema here. And it was like £15 a month, see as many films as you want, you know, unlimited. And I started going. So with that, you start going to see stuff you normally wouldn't go and see. And sometimes you're like, why did I come and see this? This is a waste of two hours or whatever. And then other times you'd watch stuff that was like, wow, this was really good. And I would never have came to see it if I didn't have this pass. So that cinema kind of went downhill and I got rid of the pass years ago. The local... <laughs> I not see that going that direction. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, everything. I, sh- I, sh- I shit you not, right? <laughs> it's true. People, again, long-term listeners will know this is legit. They changed from Coke to Pepsi, the franchise or whatever, on the fountain. Oh, and I stopped so going. How dare you? I stopped oh, going, genuinely. Um. Coke, I should be an ambassador for Coca-Cola, I'm telling you. And anyway, so I stopped going, and the other cinema, the competing cinema locally, the Odeon, went under this huge refurb, and they've now got these luxe recliner chairs, it said, in every cinema and every screen. So me and my friend went to see The Joker a few weeks ago, which I really enjoyed, and the seats, Alex, were unreal. I've never sat in a cinema seat like this. This was like a lazy boy full padding arms, back, lumbar support. Then there's this little electronic button you press and this electronic footstool comes up in lots of different positions. You can recline and everything. There's no one really near you. They've limited the seats in each screen now. And the way they've angled them, even if you're in the middle of that cinema, you can't see someone's head in front of you the way it's like lowered down. It is unreal. And so I went and bought another unlimited pass for this cinema and started going to see whatever. So I went to see Terminator last night, turned up at 20 past nine in the evening on my own. Couldn't get anybody else who wanted to go and see Terminator with me. My brother was working. My other mate was like, I'm not watching that shit, you know, whatever. So I was like, oh, I want to see it. So I turn up. There's a few other people going to see it. And it turns out the cinema turned around and say oh, we've put that on, uh, that's a mistake on the website, on the showings, it's not actually showing tonight. I was like, what? Like, uh, you know, uh, some people had got taxis up to the cinema because it's, it's like out of town, on the outskirts of town. You know, luckily I was driving, I was like, well, wait a minute, they're like, oh, we're refunding tickets. So I was like, well, I've got this unlimited, but you can't, you know, it's free anyway, effectively. You can't, what, you can't refund me a ticket. So to be fair, the managers all came out and it was just another, like, to try and tie this nonsense story into some sort of value, <laughs> it was the way I was really impressed. She was a young girl manager and she handled it beautifully. She came out and said, what can we do? Like, you know, to we're going to refund the people who have bought tickets, people who've got uh, unlimited cards. We're going to give you a deal. Uh, we're going to give you like, what, what about free food on your next visit and stuff and whatever. And just the fact that she appreciated that people had came and it wasn't on and whatever and we weren't we weren't financially out just they they appreciated that you were out of your time and they gave us this voucher that said um you know free food up to the value of like 15 pounds or whatever so that was it so long story short that's why i'm going back to see terminator dark fate tonight um and hopefully hopefully it's on this is a show and that's why i've been you know running around like that You know, Barry, like, before we got on the phone today, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to do the one-outer podcast, like what I used to do when I was just, like, you know, piss poor in Central America. That's how I kind of 
moved along and it's like it's going to be so dignified now you know from my nice little new york apartment and everything and the last episode we did the internet crashed three or four times just like i was still in central america and for this episode i'm listening to you talk about getting 15 pounds of food credit for six like it's just like the old one outer episode and well, actually, I forgot the I forgot the best bit as well. I said to her, so she went away and t- this wasn't like a, a legit voucher. She went away and typed something up in the office and came out with five of these things and handed them to the people. And it was just a word printed out, nothing, you know, nothing. And it just says, "Sorry for the inconvenience. You're entitled to a combo meal up to the value fifteen pound." And her name on it. There was no signatures. That it was printed out, not even headed to the in paper. And I joked with her. I says, so this is valid for a year. And she goes, oh, yeah, whenever you want. I says, no, I mean, every time I come, I can just use this. And she, yeah. and she was like, oh, no, but I'll make sure that they're taken. I said, all right. And then I said, this is the curve. I said, OK, I'll be back. And she laughed. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, why, <laughs> Why? I just I, why I, would you I mean do that? that? I I, I, I run for that, you know. Why would you do? Did you legit say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the One Outer Podcast, um, right there. For, the but, old school fans will dig this. Was yeah. uh, I, I don't few listeners turned off? They lost. I lost <laughs> my unlimited card. <laughs> They're like, they're like, they think I'm you at this point. If they're a new listener, they'll be like, Alex Fitzgerald, that Scottish bloke. He just goes on about his movies <laughs> and his puns. I'm going to be, you laugh. I'm going to be taking questions about that. You watch anyway. But, uh, uh, last thing I'm going to, uh, last thing I'm going to say before we finish the cinema, as we know, it will not exist in 30 years. That's my bet. It's going to be just like drive-in cinemas. Just there's too much with streaming and all that. Wow. I used to, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I, I said, yeah, well, I, I, I totally agree with you. And I think that's why this Odeon who are like, I think they're either the biggest or the second biggest chain in the UK. They had to do something because, you know, Apple have got it now, Netflix, whatever. And like you say, all these streaming. And going to the the pictures, as we call it in Scotland, um, you know, the, uh, the talkies, uh, going to the movies <laughs> is, is like they have to reinvent themselves somehow. And to be fair, these seats and the comfort and the space you're given now and stuff, it's good. I mean, I, I went out and bought that Unlimited Pass because, you know, it is it's decent. Um, and I, I do like going to the cinema still. I love going to the cinema. I just I also hate Hollywood movies now. I cannot remember the last Hollywood movie I saw. I do not enjoy them at all anymore. They've just lost all. What what was his name? Brett Easton Ellis was talking about. They asked him, are you worried that you've been excluded out of Hollywood now because you've started saying some politically incorrect things? And he was like, no, I, I don't really want to write cartoons. So I'm not really worried about not being in Hollywood. And it, just everything is CGI and superheroes, and it's all made with about 20 lines of dialogue that they can dub quickly for China and Latin America. And I'm just, I'm not into it. Korean movies are where it's at. If you guys are into cinema, check out Korean movies. Have you ever watched any Korean movies, Barry? Not knowingly, unless um, I'm influenced by something or what. Is... Uh, is Old Boy the original one? Is that Korean or was that Japanese? Yes, sir. That, that is Korean. That I've is... seen the original Old Boy, so I've seen that. There we go. Well, and like a lot, the thing about Korean movies I love, like they'll kill the main character like halfway through the movie. There's no rules. You When you're watching uh, an American movie, there's rules, right? You got to save the cat. The main character has to do X, Y, and Z. When you watch a Korean movie, you have no idea. What's going to happen? Watch The Host. It's a Korean movie. It'll blow your mind what happens in that movie. Watch Memories of Murder. Uh, watch Snowpiercer. Watch the new... Everyone is really into this new Korean movie, Parasite. I didn't love it that much. But uh, watch... And sometimes the the creators, like they just don't care. Uh, what, what was the 
They just did this one burning. I thought it's amazing, but it pisses off Americans so much because the creator clearly had a couple different things he wanted to do. But there's just like no rules in Korean movies. You can do anything you want. Snowpiercer, check that movie out, Barry. That movie's in English and it's made by a Korean studio. I think you would like that one quite a bit. It's on Netflix in most countries. Okay, okay. I'll check that out. Um, yeah, the, the thing about cinema is it's, it's a bit of escapism and whatever. And I do enjoy watching, you know, movies at home. I've got quite a decent setup and stuff. But still something, you know, when it, you're in the mood and for the big blockbusters and stuff, I do like going to the cinema still. So, um, yeah, it's good. So... Well, I'm 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 not done. If we're if we're gonna riff about movies like old school one outer, I'm not done yet. We're we're gonna get right on into this. But uh, it, you guys wanted fluff. We are getting fluff. But something that was interesting to me recently, I stopped buying coffee outside my house. I just went and got like the Amazon like thirty cent uh, capsules or whatever it is, the the little coffee pods. And I just filled a couple water jugs up in my fridge. And then I saved and I, I did the math when I'm not buying like bottled water and I'm not buying coffee outside for five, six bucks a pot. You're saving about 150, 200 bucks a month or something like that. If you just never buy bottled water or anything like that. If you do that, you can afford every streaming service on the market. DAZN, ESPN+. Plus, Disney Plus, HBO, Amazon Prime, Netflix, cable package, anything. You would never be need to leave your house, right? And it's amazing to me that exists now because yeah, you get like a home theater set up, it almost becomes it, it almost becomes addicting because you can pause at any point. It's just like a movie theater. Yeah, anyway, I wanted to geek out about something cuz Barry got to geek out about something. I finally got my sound system in my 50 inch widescreen i just love it and it's incredible last time i went to the cinema i saw parasite uh the korean movie because i thought it was so cool they were bringing a korean movie to the states i had to see it uh didn't love it it wasn't bad wasn't uh wasn't that great though in my opinion but i actually kind of was pissed off i couldn't pause it to go take a leak i got really entitled i felt like such a millennial i was like man i'm gonna have to hold this for 45 minutes like do you uh, do do you find yourself getting more pissed off about that experience now in the cinema that now that we're so spoiled with our home theaters these days, Barry? Yeah, I mean it's it's getting nicer at home as well. And and you know what? I spoke with a friend recently who um, is quite high up in Amazon, and he's you know right into his movies. I mean, I remember I used to go and stay at his house twenty years ago. And I called it the video wall because in his room, it was like this shelf just full of VHSs. That's how long ago it was, you know. And then it started DVDs as well. And I was like, wow, you know, the video wall. That was like, that was, you made it. If you've got a video collection, DVD collection like that, like amazing. And you, you look at it now, Netflix, God knows how many streaming, like Disney, just released the new Star Wars stuff yesterday, I think, today, that Mandalorian, the spin-off one. I wanted to um, to watch that, and I don't know how to get access to that, you know, legally just now in the UK, because it's not out yet here. And um, it's just becoming, like, there's so much choice now. And that is a true thing. I used to think it was just me. When you're on Netflix or Amazon Prime, you can spend 20 minutes. It's overkill of choice. You're like, what yeah. You know, I've got a list. I mean, I, when I say I've got a list, I mean I have a literal list on my phone, which will be adding to Alex's recommendations, Korean. Anything someone says a film to me, I add it on the list and eventually I get to them, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's a full-time job being a couch potato. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. No, it's uh, – I was just thinking the other day, somebody was complaining about something, and I, I was thinking – Dude, I just stopped having like Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts for a month. And just with that money I saved, I can now stream anything I want in my home. Like just anything. Like, do you remember when you were a kid, you would like save up to go rent a movie 
and you had no idea if that movie was going to be good. And then when you got home and you put it in the VHS player, sometimes 45 minutes in, you go, this sucks. And there was nothing to do. There was nothing else to do. You were just so bored. And it's like, the, the one that's blowing my mind right now is I don't have to pay for boxing pay-per-views anymore. Ever since I was a kid, I, you know, a boxing match would come up and it's like, all right, you got to come up with the 75 bucks, 50 bucks. You don't even have, they have like a Netflix for that now. You can watch Canelo Alvarez on DAZN for 20 bucks a month. And you can also get whatever else you want. It, uh, we're living in the future, everybody. Everybody should be grateful. We're going to keep the positive vibes rolling on Netflix, on Netflix, on the One Outer podcast. So let's just get right into the poker questions now that we've officially made this a classic train wreck One Outer podcast. Let's go into it. Well, we are streaming on iTunes and we're free as well. So you can have a coffee and still listen. Yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, have a coffee and deal with this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you both need a coffee with this episode, I tell you. Uh, <laughs> and, right. Let's get into it. Okay, the first one we are going to go, and this is a good this is a good one. This is what I said on the last show. We'll save this for the next show. This one is from Pete, and he messages in, Hello, Barry and Alex. I have been playing poker professionally for the last three years now. I've played for 10 years, and circumstances in my old job made me take the jump. I'm a single guy, and I try to keep my expenses as low as possible. I am finding it difficult making anywhere near what I made at my last job, around $40,000 US after taxes. Last year, I made around 32000 but this included a $10,000 tournament score. I mainly play MTTs around the $50 to $100 buy-in range with shot taken. I also play some live 200 NL and again take stabs at 400 NL live. I'm looking for overall mindset tips and action steps I can take to increase my net wins. I know we don't get a guaranteed salary here, and I'm fine with that, but we'd like to make some extra profit. Any advice would be great. Thanks. Well, this is a... I can see why Barry liked this question. Actually, Barry, if you would be so kind to copy and paste this question into... uh, the Skype chat after we're done. So I could put this in the preview. This, uh, this is, I mean, this is what I'm dealing with a lot of the time when I'm working with guys. So look, let's start with some basic truths about professional poker. It's just like any other sport. Uh, not that it's a sport, but if you were a professional in tennis, 99% of tennis professionals make, some kind of living, but they're not making Federer money. If you were a professional footballer or soccer player, as we call it in the States, most professionals, they play in, you know, in Ecuador or they play in Turkey or some smaller league somewhere, Bulgaria, whatever it is, they make a living, but they're not crushing it, right? The vast majority make a living, and you're hearing it right now in this question. I was, uh, according to my tax returns, most of my professional poker playing years, just when I was doing just that, uh, was fifty to sixty thousand around that. That was about, and that was me busting my ass to get that. Most, yeah. Looking back, obviously I was doing some coaching at the time, but yeah, most of it was around fifty and sixty, right? And that's just me busting my ass. And how did I do it? A lot of my profit came from playing cash games, an obsessive number of hours, constantly playing cash games. Massively multi-tabling was fun, but after I got to about 23, 24, I couldn't play with the acuity that I once possessed. And when I played live, I love playing live poker, but if you're going to play one, two live or two, five, you're going to have to log some hours and you got to be disciplined because if you play nine hours and you let one hand go, it's like you never even showed up that day. It's worse than that. It's like you just took away 18, 20 hours of play. And a lot of guys, they're good on hour two. They're good on hour four. They're good on hour six, but around 4 a.m., They go, you know what? Screw it. 
this guy flopped a pair again, but I'm going to make him fold it this one time, right? And there it, it's gone. 25 hours of work or whatever it is, it's gone based on whatever your expectation is. How can we mentally face this? First off, my first piece of advice, I don't think anyone needs to be a professional poker player. I loved being just a professional poker player. I love playing cards, but I was a card room rat. I, I just get bored really easily. Win, lose, or draw, I, and when I lost sight of this, I wasn't that good, uh, if good at all. But when I, I was just in for it to like go and gamble and be there and be present and like kill or be killed, hell, at least life isn't boring right now. I really loved it. I, but when I was looking at it as a way to make some money, purely, right? The amount of money you make in a normal job typically is going to be more money for less hours in less stress than playing poker professionally. You play poker professionally usually because you just don't want to work for other people. If that's a real incentive for you, I'd really stick with this. Uh, but there's a lot of guys that are badass poker players that they, they have a full-time job, but maybe they're really familiar with the industry and they can work at home and their boss knows they're not working 40 hours a week. They're actually working 25 hours a week, but then they play 20 hours on the back end. Like those guys have a lot of power because like, how do you scare that guy? He's got a, he's got a, he's got a paycheck coming in, right? He doesn't have to worry about his kids, his groceries, his healthcare, none of that. He's ready. That's a very powerful place to be in. But full disclosure, I've had a lot of fun being a professional poker player. I had a lot of fun when I wasn't doing any of the coaching stuff or any of that. I wouldn't trade any of it in for anything in the world. But you got to know this is usually how it is. You're busting your ass for like 50, 60K a year mo most of the time, right? Only in my best poker years, like when I was working 60 hours a week, grinding my ass off, really ahead of – just was playing – otherworldly better than I normally do. That was when I crossed into six figures, right? That, but those years don't happen all the time. And by the way, there's no law that says you have to be positive at the end of the year. That happens too. So this is mentally the way I looked at it. There's a couple of ways of doing this. One, you save your money as much as possible. The more money you put away, the it, the more money you put away, the better you're going to be doing. If you ever read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or what was that one? The Richest Man in Babylon. It's pretty much the number one thing they talk about is pay yourself first. You just, every chance you get, put a little money away. Live below your means too. The more bills you have. I mean, this is an old joke you'll hear entrepreneurs make, but people say, oh, it must be great. You're making your own schedule and you don't have a boss. And then Entrepreneurs will say, I do have a boss. It's called the light bill. It's called the mortgage. It's called child support. It's called whatever it is, right? The lower you get those bills, the more money you can sock away, the more money you put aside, the more powerful you are. And the ultimate powerful spot to be in, this is something, if you ever listen to Dave Ramsey, you've heard this before, but if you have like just a little house in like a decent part of the country paid off. Doesn't have to be that souped up. Just some place with low property taxes and you know a place you can uh, rest your head in. You got that paid off. You don't have a rent. You got a little money saved up. You're gonna be a tough guy to crack. What are you gonna be afraid of? If you go bust at the poker table, you can go wait tables for four months and then you'll have more money socked away. You're not paying rent. It's all about how much professional poker isn't about how much money you can make. It's about how much money you can take off the table. That took me a really long time to learn. When I was younger, I made a lot of money at the table, but I was no pro. I had no idea what I was doing. I just kept playing higher and higher. So it was like I was playing a tournament against myself every single day. And eventually I went bust and I deserved to. It was a really good lesson. 
You don't need to do that. You can be smarter than that. Just take as much. You're talking about, let's say, okay, so let's let's go right there. You're making 32,000 last year, right? So 10,000 of that was a C, but let's just say it wasn't, okay? Let's say you were actually just making like 32,000 or somehow you found a way to sell off that 10K seat. So let's say 32,000. Um, you're going to be paying in the lowest tax bracket. But if you were living in, say, Laughlin, Nevada, and I think I remember uh, some guys there were renting hotel rooms for 20 bucks a night. So what is that? That's uh, 600 bucks a month. So at the end of the year, it's about 7,200 on rent. And they were making their own meals. You can still sock away a lot of money. And once you're not stressing about money as much and you're putting some away, that's when you start finding yourself more fluid at the table. The other thing that I think will help you mentally the most, other than financial freedom, just frees up your bandwidth. That's the hardest thing to learn is just the more you free up your money, the more uh, you lower your cost. There's a reason why everybody is crazy in New York City or they look like they're going nuts. It's because rent's high here. You know, if you're not already doing all right, that's going to freak you out. Whereas if you go to the middle of my country where rent is low, you'll notice people are a little bit more pleasant. That's because they're not if if the job is all right or they got something to fall back on, they're okay and their family's nearby, that's another asset. The other thing that you can do is you got to find one strategy you really believe in and you need to know it backwards and forwards and you need to apply it religiously. In the words of Derek Sivers, Derek Sivers, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, if information was power, we'd all be billionaires with six-pack abs. There is such a thing as information overload. And dear God, there is so much information in poker right now. There is, I know a lot of guys who are very successful in poker, but what they do is they, they log more hours than anyone you can imagine. And they really know their strategy. They might have their databases and they know exactly what hands make what money from what position. That was more my route. Some of them are just so nitty and they're in su such loose, cash games uh, and they short stack. So they just shut the hand down. So nobody has implied odds that there's no way they could be losing, but they have a system they've really cultivated. They really believe in and they hammer it. Whereas if you don't know what hands make money from what position or where your edge is or how much money you're making in each tournament, it, naturally you're going to be insecure every day because you're not sure where your next paycheck is coming from. Tournament poker is very variance-ridden. And you mentioned that you play tournaments. I love poker tournaments, but uh, my most variance-ridden years were when I was playing mostly tournaments because you you can uh, you, you can play the Sunday Million every Sunday for ten years with a forty percent ROI, and still half the time you'll lose money by the end of the ten years just due to the variance and the size of the fields. If you're going to play tournaments, you need to play those small fields, really weak fields. Try to get on those small sites. That was the only way I ever made it stable. And you need to know where your edges are. How, how are you making your money, right? What hands make money from what position? How are you getting there? How, are you getting the big blind to call you? And does the big blind play really bad most of the time on this site? Great. Is the three bet getting it done? Uh, you got to know what it is. And once you... I think you got to find one trainer. It doesn't have to be me. It can, it can be, because I don't speak to everybody. I, I have a different way of talking about poker than other people do. There are guys that get a ton out of Jonathan Little or Split Suit or what have you. You got to pick a guy who really speaks to you and gets you results, right? It's really easy to know who actually works for you because you can apply in the field and see where it works, right? Or you can quantify with the statistic tracking programs these days, right? You, it's just like the scientific process. You make a hypothesis or a trainer gives you a hypothesis. You try to apply it in the experiment and you look at the results. If it doesn't, 
if the experiment does not produce the results that were promised, then you know you either need a bigger sample size or it wasn't true. But you got to take what works, leave the rest, and then when you really know your strategy, really know your game, really know where your money is, you just hammer it. All the guys I know who've been super successful at poker, they have their strategy, they know their games, and they hammer it. It can be 1-2 live, it can be 2-5 live, but they hammer it. We're talking 70, 80 hours a week, but here's the thing. If you're saving every dollar you make, uh, or you're, you're living, what Carlos Welch did was genius, just living out of a van, just saving every dollar. You only have to do that for a few years. It, it's, you do it for a few years, you can buy yourself something small, right? I would, I was, I would, yeah, I, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off, just, Barry. Just to throw, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, Alex, no, but just I think it's important as well, just what you said there for a few years, even just to get yourself that base. I, I Like for people that are playing for a living or thinking about playing for a living – or even starting their own business, or whatever it may be, if you, the first thing you do is you get your debt down. I think you need your debt down before you can ever seriously tackle any of this and go forward. Yes, and sir. don't get disheartened if you do have debt or whatever. You know, it happens in life at different points or different people. But focus on paying your debt down. You know, if you're paying interest on it, whatever, clear it. That's personal finance 101. Once you're debt free, if you do a few years, like Alex says, and the time's going to pass anyway, and you even get yourself five thousand or ten thousand dollars or pounds or whatever your currency are, like equivalent amount. Once you're debt free and you've got that in an account that is, you know, whatever savings account or yada yada, it's away, it's pugged away. Just this mindset change in the security blanket of having that, knowing that the worst happens, my bills are paid, this and that. That is then giving you an edge. That adds an edge to you, whether it's poker, business, or anything, because you are thinking more clearly. You're not in a constant panic state of where the next, you know, food shopping money's coming from, where the next bill, if your car has a repair needing done, etc. And I think it's so important, especially for young guys and poker players, to try and get on that mindset as early as possible and I'm 36 now and I'll be honest with you I've only learned it in the last five six years six years actually <laughs> um when I when I turned 30 it was a total stereotypical turning of that age and me saying to myself okay I've, I you know I've pissed around I've taken lots of shots I'm still going to take those shots but I have to do this in a way now that gives me a little bit of I need to see a bit of security, debt-free, savings, etc. And the six years have passed, and it is night and day to the way I lived in my 20s in terms of, you know, the security and also the spending, etc. And I think once you've got that initial, I'm telling you, I remember even being debt-free and having my first three, four thousand pounds saved in a, a savings account. The difference in that is unreal. There's other anxieties, there's other problems. Money doesn't solve everything. Like me or Alex, or you know, we're not saying that. But once you've got that, that puts you in a position that you are more geared and ready to, to be successful in other areas, you know, in terms of whether it's poker, whether it's wheeling and dealing, you know, a business, you're opening whatever. Um, it's such a mindset shift, isn't it, Alex? It's everything. I, I mean, and being completely frank with you guys, when I was younger, I made a lot of money from poker and I made mistakes. And I ended up owing the IRS more money than I ever thought I would owe. Uh, and it was completely my fault. There was no, it, it was not on their end at all, right? It was completely my fault. And when you owe that much money, it takes up your bandwidth. It's just like, I can't deal with this. And then I was really lucky. Everything I'm teaching you guys, I didn't come up with that. I, I was lucky enough to meet Carlos Welch, who's been way better at this than anyone. He was like, oh, he bought a van and he slept in the back of a van when he was playing professionally, right? He'd show up and he 
when he was playing cards, he'd just go out to his van and then he didn't have to pay rent at the at the end of the day, right? And he was just saving up his money. And then he turned me on to Dave Ramsey, who is a very conservative fiscal manager who does a podcast and all that stuff. And it almost gets addicting once you get into it, right? That's why everybody was like, why the hell were you living in Newark, New Jersey? And it was like, well, rent was $800 a night. I mean, eight hundred dollars a night. It was the it was the Four Seasons. <laughs> it was, but it was eight hundred dollars a month. Uh, I got the fastest internet I've ever used in my life uh, for free. I got it was an Airbnb. I got coffee for free. Uh, it was in Newark, New Jersey, has a certain reputation, but I lived really near the stadium and everything. And it was actually pretty safe. And it was, it was fun to live down there. You know, you got to go to devil's games and stuff like that. And you could just walk right up to the Prudential center. It's not a stadium, excuse me, an arena. And then you take one train, you're in New York city. And part of the reason I wanted to be in New York city is I wanted to network with people who can teach me how to run my business. And the more I met these guys who I, I'm talking Barry. I was meeting guys that own Lamborghinis and stuff like that as like investments. They like soup them up, the old ones and stuff like that, right? Into property in Manhattan. And those guys would still make their own lunch every day, still come in every day with that. They get that way for a reason. It's because they have discipline, just like you have discipline at the gym, just like you have discipline at the card table. You have to have discipline fiscally. And going back to what I was saying before, the reason I got into and I took care of all my stuff with the IRS ages ago, thankfully, but I'm really glad all of that happened because it taught me you can save 50% of your paycheck if you're doing things like not, uh, for those of you who are fans of Gary Vee, don't be effing soft and buy a $6 coffee, right? But Seriously, you can make coffee at home. It'll be 30 cents each. By the way, that's a recent thing for me. I don't want you guys to think I've been doing that for a long time, but that was one of the last things I wanted to cut out. But yeah, you can have coffee at home and make it 30 cents each. You can just put get a water bottle and put it in the refrigerator and have cold water as opposed to getting bottled water, right? Or get a Brita or something like that. And instead of spending money going out, you know, and drinking and eating food and then dropping 70 bucks or something like that. You can intermittent fast to remove the breakfast for your lunch. Start with some lean proteins every day and some mixed nuts or something. And then for dinner, put, put together something, you know, like a lean protein and a veggie, right? It'll help you lose weight too if you're really getting in on this discipline stuff. Like, Go out to the fruit market, get yourself some asparagus, get yourself some peas, go to the fishmonger, get yourself some salmon, learn how to, baking fish is the easiest thing in the world and you'll save so much money and it'll be so good for you. And then you're saving all that money instead of going out to eat and going out for entertainment, get your, you know, spend some money on the best streaming options and soup up your, there's a reason I souped up my, uh, my, entertainment center because you put up some money on the front end and then it's not a lot later or if you need to relax and get outside go for a walk and listen to some audiobooks and actually get some information in your skull as opposed to i don't know there's a lot of other dumb things you can you know going out going out drinking at a beer garden but by all means it's very fun but it can get very costly very quickly if you're doing that with your buddies once or twice a week right if you add it all up and it gets really addicting saving all this money. And then once you have some money set aside, just like Barry was saying, oh my God, Barry, wasn't it night and day once you had a couple of bucks saved up and you were, uh, <laughs> you just, uh, didn't you feel like you could think clearly for the first time in years? Yeah, that's, that's it. Like I was saying at the start, it's it's kind of solves that problem. There's still other problems and issues and stuff. But at the end of the day, you know that you've got that put away. And it's the first like little wins, like the first thousand or then the second thousand. And then you might stay at a certain level because like life stuff happens, like 
you need, like I say, to repair your car or some other expenses that come out of nowhere. But at least you've got them there and it just helps you with that part of the game of life sort of thing. You know, and then once you can keep, you can get on a little run, say you get a big tournament score. It's, it is, it's like what Alex said, it's almost addictive, like anything. You could then, say you win 5,000 and you go, right, I'm going to put 1,500 into my savings account as well. And then 3,500, okay, that's into the bankroll. Let's go and, you know, take a shot somewhere or gamble and whatever. And it goes back to that paying yourself first thing that's been, you know, preached from all the... It's funny, people like that Dave Ramsey and that... I know they're huge in America, but I'm aware of them for years. I mean, when I was reading in all this and doing it. But it's like anything, you got to take action and uh, actually live it as well. And by all means, like, I, I, I don't know at all when it comes to that, but I'm definitely better than I was 10 years ago. You know, it's night and day, as Alex says. Yeah, and uh, to put a bow on this, man, playing poker, it's a playing poker professionally really is taking your life in your hands and really going for it. And I always, you know, the old fashioned American in me always roots for a guy who's going for it. But you can make yourself such a better player. If you just set aside money as much as possible and get those expenses as low as possible and really hammer what you know and don't know about poker and what you want to execute and what you don't want to execute and how it's going to happen and how you're going to get those hours in. Good luck to you, sir. Thank you for the fantastic question. I would just add to it as well that, you know, he's compared, what was he got? Pete. Yeah. Um, he's compared the salaries, but you have not compared all aspects of the job like saying i i don't make near what i make in the last job but i'm presuming you don't have as much you'll have other stresses but you don't have the same stress whether you said you circumstances was it yeah circumstances in the last uh, where is it circumstances in my old job made me take the jump so i'm assuming there were either you know you were either laid off or you were in a situation where you didn't get on with the boss or you, you were stressed with the work or it doesn't matter, whatever it may be, or anybody else listening similar stuff. I've always said you've got to do a fair comparison if you're going to compare, sort of like, you know, okay, you're not making as much money, but you don't have a commute to do, or you don't have to listen to something, or you don't get told how long you're taking for toilet breaks, or how long you can take <laughs> lunch. You know, you can start the day when you want on your schedule. And I've said it so many times, I'm sure Alex agrees, I would always rather make 50K a year working for myself than 80K working for someone else. You know, and it's just it's just a fact of life. It's There's a lot to be said about being your own person and in control of your own time and stuff. And there's obviously downsides, huge downsides sometimes as well with time management and stress, et cetera. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. If you guys want to learn more about what Barry was just talking about, there is a fantastic book by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. You see how I worked that in, Barry? It's a classic episode. <laughs> <I've seen. laughs> Nicholas, our third panelist on every. No, there's a there's a book called Anti Fragile, uh, which is my favorite book I've ever read in my life. Uh, if you read it, it's kind of a weird book to pick as your favorite book, but it's just it's so damn weird. I I just. I'm obsessed with this book. And he brought up a lot of things Barry was just talking about, which is working for yourself has a lot of benefits you don't realize, which is like a taxi driver might have a lot of like little ups and downs, but the taxi driver is never going to get fired. So taxi drivers always going to are an Uber. As long as the guy's following the rules, you know, like, uh, not slamming heroin at his local Chuck E. Cheese or anything like that. He's probably going to keep his job. But if you, uh, that person is very unlikely to lose their job. So they might have lots of minor shocks, but they're not going to have a major shock. And something that always worries me with uh, the average job is I know some of my friends who are far more intelligent than I'll ever hope to be, far more talented than I can ever hope to be. And they've got every degree in the book and they're dutiful and they show up early and they leave after closing. 
and they just get S canned like nothing. They just get fired, laid off like nothing. So yeah, everything is amazing when you got the benefits and everything is going, but right there it's over, right? It can happen like that in a typical job and that's very scary. Whereas if you, the whole book is about how one person can become anti-fragile, which is he defines anti-fragility as something that grows through stressors, which is just one of the most badass concepts of all time. And he talks about how you can do that in your career, how you can do that in your health, how you can do that with your education. It's just, it's a very fascinating book for anyone who hasn't checked it out. It's, it's to people that are in full-time employment with someone else, big corporations and that, again, as Nassim would call it, they, they underestimate the tail risk as people do. It's like, well said. They, they just go around like, oh, that would happen. Then it's like one day it's like, yeah, we're closing 25,000 laid off worldwide. And that's it, you know, stroke of a pen sort of thing. And uh, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. But um, yeah, it's that whole matrix thing. Once you take the blue pill or red pill, whichever one it is, the, I, don't <laughs> think any, I don't think there's any going back. Um, okay, like let's let's wrap it up for that. I've got Terminator to get to and a combo voucher to use. Um, <laughs> so, uh, right, Alex, let's discuss your package again, the offer that's on just now before we uh, end this show. We talked about it on the last show. It's the Poker Craftsman package available in Alex's Gumroad store. As I say, I will post the links and all the details to it on the oneouter.com website in the show notes. Currently, if you use coupon code OneOuter, O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R, and that comes down from $480 to $79 as soon as you put that code in. So it's a, a phenomenal saving. And Alex, just to recap, it's six different packages for this price of $79 with this discount code that you must enter, OneOuter. And um, what are the six packages again? The six packages are That's a Check Raise Fool, Dissecting the Donk Bet, Master Poker with Only One Hour a Day, You Flat Too Much, Why Pisagno is Right in the Professional's Mindset. Uh, it's about 25 hours of coaching, so I, I hope you brought a notebook, guys. But honestly, this is, if you want a big leg up, especially if you're grinding like a grinding online tournaments like the gentleman who wrote in and you're trying to take your game to the next level. These are the strategies I use for myself to get myself above that 30, 40 K mark that like the 50, 60 K move up in that's a check raise fool. I discuss check raising and how to use it to win more pots when you're out of position. It's a great way to cancel people's positional advantage and go after them. It really helps you if you're in the big line and people are consistently raising you. Dissecting the dog bet works very hard on dog betting, which is leading into the razor. That's another play you can use to frustrate your opponents, especially from the big line. Master poker with one hour a day. Going back to what I was telling uh, Pete, this will help you realize where you're making money and where you're not making money and how you can use uh, that information to improve your game rapidly. It's very efficient. It's like you have one hour to study, no more. What can you do to fix leaks very rapidly? What can you do to increase your win rate very rapidly? You flat too much is my treatise on three betting. I really went all out on that one. I think that one's like five or six hours. And that's about how you build big pots in position versus weak players that are constantly just raising and calling and playing passively out of position with weak hands. Why Pasagno is right is my ideas on short stack play versus players that are unwilling to flat uh, and are just shoving or folding when they have short stacks and how to take advantage of that. And the professional's mindset is a discussion with one of my mental coaches, John Wood, about just how you can work harder than other people, how you can put it into that fifth year, how you can take yourself to where you want to go. It's all about 25 hours altogether. This is this sale I'm not putting on my email list. It's totally for one outer listeners. It's to throw Barry a couple of bucks. So that's why I'm fine with the steep discount. It's kind of a smaller thing. It's for you hardcore people. And uh, 
Yeah. It, to go with the Terminator motif, if you guys want to find out why so many people are getting laid off, there's a book called The Robots Are Coming by Andres Oppenheimer. I'd really recommend. That's uh, that's not part of the package. I wish I could give it to you. But uh, if you want to learn what about the future of jobs in the age of automation, sorry, I'm such a nerd, Barry. I always have to get my book recommendations out there. I'd really recommend you check out this book. It's really interesting. Okay. And uh, just for a bit of fun, um, if anybody is interested in that book, I'll do a free prize draw for it for anybody that buys one of Alex's packages. There we go. Um, <laughs> presume, uh, caveat, uh, disclaimer, presuming it's not some rare Korean out-of-print thing that's like $400. <laughs> <laughs> Four million won. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, no, I'm looking at it right now. The paper book is $7.56. On Kindle, it's $12.99. The audio book is $22. Okay, so anybody buys the Poker Craftsman package with a one-outer coupon code and gets it for $79, I'll put them into the prize draw for an Amazon. I'll do what I did last time. Let's, let's be fair. I'll do a $30 Amazon gift card so that they can buy that book that Alex recommended or any other ones that they're interested in or whatever. I'll throw that in his little uh, cherry on top of the uh, discount that Alex is doing. And I, I'll put all the details of that in the show notes and stuff as well. Um, so I'll, I'll contribute. I'll throw some throw some back into the pot as well. Um, okay, so get yourself a copy of that Poker Craftsman package. As I say, the links to the Gumroad store will be on oneouter.com. I'll post them in the Facebook group and put them on Twitter, etc. But you must use the one outer code to discount it. It'll still say 480 in the shop and in the shopping cart until you put that one outer code in. And that way we can track it and see who's all, you know, using that code and get the discount. It's the only way to get the discount. Um, Alex, thanks again for that. And thanks for joining us. I'm away to go and uh, see what Sarah Connor and Arnie's up to in this one. And, um, I'll, I'll let you know on the next show uh, what I thought of the new Terminator film. Until then, thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Sign up at PokerHeadRush.com for the daily newsletter.